Welcome to Your Decisions Matter. If this is your first episode with the show, I strongly suggest going back and listening to Episode 9, Convergence, Part 1, or you may find yourself rather confused. If you've been around for a while, then hey there, welcome back. This month's episode will be the finale of Season 1. I'll be taking the next couple months off from the main episodes with the approaching arrival of my next child. I plan to still offer you tidbits of real-life news stories once a month, and I'll include any pertinent updates about the show in those extra episodes, too. I'll also still be adding a question of the week on social media, so I won't be completely deserting you. Feel free to reach out with your theories or suggestions for the show during this off-season time. If you've not listened to all of Season 1, I really encourage you to go back and listen while I'm away. You'll especially understand by this episode's endings why that might be important. Oh, and once you've completed today's episode, be sure you stick around after the credits. If you've ever seen a Marvel movie, then I'm sure you can guess why. Before we begin, I have two special thank yous to make. Thank you to my wife for encouraging me to continue doing the show and pursuing my passion for storytelling. It really means so much to me, and I probably would have given up a while ago if it weren't for you. Thank you. And secondly, thank you, dear listener. Thanks for coming along on this strange podcast adventure with me. Now, enough of the mushy-gushy talk. I'm sure you all have some questions. So, for the last time this season, this is an interactive podcast about fictional stories that star you, the listener. If you don't know what I mean by interactive, let me put it simply. As you listen, you can make decisions about the story. And to do so, you will need to utilize the skip feature on your app. I recommend setting your skip button to 30 seconds. After hearing about your options, you will be told how many minutes and seconds to skip to get to the next section. When you hear this sound, you'll know it is time to hit the skip button. When you are ready, listen carefully. Episode 10, Convergence, Part 2. Previously, on Your Decisions Matter, you have survived an apocalyptic event, but now, at the end of the world, someone is coming for you, and you have no idea why. You attempted to fight, flee from, and ignore this intruder, but none of these decisions helped you in the end. You still found yourself waking up in a strange room. You decided to walk through one of the doors in the room and found yourself surrounded by museum display cases. A sound like the unlocking of a door comes from across the hallway. Where there once was no door before, now rests a deep mahogany red door. Above the door in capital letters is the word CONVERGENCE. You glance around to find that the display cases have all vanished, as well as the door through which you had entered this room. You walk cautiously to the newly constructed door, twist the delicate knob, and walk through. 
The room you enter into is starkly different in every way imaginable from the one you had just exited. This room is packed with machinery of different kinds that seem somehow both ancient and futuristic. A nearly inaudible whirring sound emits throughout the expanse of the large room. You hear the sound of someone humming coming from somewhere in the room and reach for the knife normally strapped to your leg. But it is missing. In fact, you hadn't realized it until this moment, but none of the gear that you had taken from the stronghold is with you. Just your tattered clothes. The ominous hums grow louder, and this time, when you spin around 180 degrees, you see a man standing next to a computer monitor, taking notes on a clipboard. The man you see before you appears to hold himself in a dignified manner. You can tell by the condition of his black and white suit. It seems as if it hadn't been grazed by a speck of dirt in its entire life. Not even his black Oxford shoes bear any semblance of wear and tear. You start to wonder if maybe this man is a figment of your imagination, which doesn't seem too far out of the question in light of the day you've had so far. He smiles politely at you and then speaks. Ah, good morning to you. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Charles Higgins the Twelfth. You aren't quite sure what to make of this man before you, but he extends his hand to you warmly, and you respond by offering yours in return. Just as your hands make contact, another high-pitched sound surrounds you and your mind is flashed with more images. You recoil and blurt out, What in the world is going on? What is happening to me? What were those artifacts I saw in that museum? Who are you really? How is any of this possible? Where in the world even am I? Charles sets the clipboard in his hands down on a table that seems to have appeared out of nowhere before he responds. There are a lot of questions you've just asked, but we don't have much time, so I will answer one question for you whichever you truly desire the answer to. Do you decide to ask the man, where am I? Please wait. Or do you decide to ask the man, what is going on? Please skip ahead four minutes. You are taken aback by the serious tone in the voice of this man who calls himself Charles Higgins, so you think about the question you want to know the most and ask him, Where in the world am I? Without losing a second, he begins, You are no longer on the planet Earth. This structure we are currently residing in is the only safe zone known in all of time and space. It exists here outside of the grasp of evil for the sake of the mission of the Twilight Order. It is essentially a base of operations for our order. You begin to feel uneasy. No longer on Earth? That seems possible. But a place outside of time and space? That can't be. Not even batting an eye, Charles responds sincerely. I assure you, it is true. 
The celestial bodies you see in the skylight above and below are part of the universe that you know. But this space is entirely invisible and for all intents and purposes non-existent to the rest of the universe. Now I've answered your question, are you ready for mine? You become frozen. Uncertain of what he could possibly want from you, yet quite certain that this man could have killed you several times over already. You nod in the affirmative. As I mentioned, I am Charles Higgins Twelfth, presider over the Twilight Order, and I need your assistance. The very fabric of time and space depends on it, I'm afraid. I have been searching for an individual known as the Caretaker, and I believe that you, my friend, may be the key to finding this one of prophecy. You interject. And do you think I would know this person? I have been living in almost total isolation for nearly five years. How would I have any idea who this legendary caretaker is? Charles smirks as he speaks. I suspected you would say as much, but have you ever wondered how it was that you came upon that stronghold? Nay, that fortress? So delicately detailed to be functional and inhabitable for you. Only you. A sleeping space, just the right length and width for you. The helmet that fit comfortably on your head alone. A computer desk with a shelf the exact distance of the length of your arms to reach for your food rations. A labyrinth of tunnels that only you knew the proper routes to take. To me, those would seem like too many coincidences. Your head begins spinning. What are you suggesting? I had nearly gone insane looking for that place. It was a sanctuary for me and helped me to find my life again after... Before the conversation can continue, a loud beeping emanates around the room. Charles' expression shifts into panic. What in the Chancellor's name is this? The entire room shakes as Charles is rushing up and down the room, inspecting the various steam-powered machines. Your eyes dart around the strange space, and they catch sight of the red mahogany door you had entered through. It seems to be the only exit from this bizarre place. Do you decide to stay with Charles Higgins? Please skip ahead seven minutes. Or do you decide to make a run for it? Please skip ahead 15 minutes. You are startled by the seriousness of the stranger's tone, so you think about the question you want to know the most and ask him, what is going on here? Without wasting a second, he begins, we are currently standing inside the smallest pocket universe in existence. It resides outside of the constraints of time for the sake of the mission of the Twilight Order. As I mentioned, my name is Charles Higgins Twelfth, and I am the presider of the Twilight Order. You have been brought here because I need your assistance. The very fabric of time and space depends on it. Our Order has been searching for an individual known as the Caretaker, and I believe that you, my friend, may be the only one able to find this one of long-awaited prophecy. You begin to feel dizzy and overwhelmed. That is quite a lot to just accept at face value, but 
I can't deny that this is without a doubt the trippiest situation I've ever found myself in. What do I have to do? Charles' expression indicates that he is a bit surprised that you're already on board, but he begins. I believe that you are linked to this caretaker of legend. Or perhaps you might know this one by another name, that of the listener. You think to yourself for a moment, but reply, No, I can't say that I know anyone by that name. All of a sudden, the entire pocket universe is quaking and rumbling. Charles rushes to check on the machinery. An ear-piercing voice seems to echo throughout the room, but very clearly only in your mind. And then, just as quickly as it had begun, the violent shaking ceases. You and Charles look at each other, both uncertain what might happen next. After several minutes of stilled silence, Charles shifts his posture and disposition to indicate that it is okay to move. Then he approaches you and puts his arm on your shoulder. It is clear we haven't much time, so I must charge you with this mission quickly and clearly without so much sugarcoating of things. You are linked with the caretaker, the listener of legend. I can't say for certain how, but let me give it to you straight. You are not alone in your mind. There is someone, something out there listening in right now. And not only that, but taking great care of the decisions you make. It is not entirely clear to me if you are the first, the last, or someone in between. You feel a headache begin to rise in your mind and bring your hand to your head. So you're saying someone else is in control of my every action, my thoughts? Not every action. I mentioned earlier the Twilight Order to which I belong. It is our belief that in times of enormous distress or great opportunity, there is a cognizant quantum energy output within each individual life form called the Twilight. Thus our name. Essentially, it is a blending of all possibilities in one precise moment. We therefore believe that this Twilight is able to be harnessed in what some have dubbed the Mirage Effect. The mirage effect allows a single consciousness to sort through and make these decisions in the moments of twilight. You shrug off Charles's arm and pace around the room. This cannot be possible. Someone making decisions for me? No way! But as you are deliberating with yourself, you begin to feel uneasy and skeptical of your own sanity. What if Charles is right? What if someone is making decisions for you right now and you aren't even aware? You storm yourself uncomfortably close to Charles and demand, What do I have to do? Charles removes a pocket watch and presses the notch on the side to open it. A few feet away from you, a circle begins to illuminate. Soon, numbers appear in a light blue color around the inside of the shape. It is a clock. You need not do anything but step onto that circle, my friend. For what I truly need is the listener's assistance. He turns his gaze away from you and looks up and around the room as he continues. That's right, I'm speaking directly to you now. 
wherever you are, I need you to seek out the eleven Charles Higgins of the past, my predecessors. Each one holds a key that you, the listener, must find and hold on to until you find yourself returning here to me in this place out of time. For this must be where it all begins and ends. Surely by now you know the name of Thomas Omen. He is seeking you out too, but he would use you for his own gain. Do not let him fool you. You stand amazed. You can't help but feel part of whatever this great epic is that the listener is embarking on as you take your steps toward the circle. Out of curiosity and seeking of clarity, you look towards Charles and ask, What will happen to me after I go? He looks at you sincerely, and with a pained smile, he says, You will return to the life you would have led without any intervention from me, Thomas Omen, or the listener. You won't even remember any of this happened. It was necessary for you to come here and I apologize for the distress you have endured. Now go and return home. May the twilight of life guard your soul. You enter the glowing clock and nod to Charles. He presses the notch on the pocket watch one more time, and everything is engulfed in the brightest blue light. You have reached the first ending of our story today. Please return to the beginning if you wish to try a new ending. Don't forget to stick around after the credits once you've completed listening to this story. You quickly dismiss the thought of attempting an escape and decide it is best to stay here with Charles. Despite the current frantic state he is in at the moment, he certainly has a greater understanding and is likely your best chance at surviving. Just then, an ear-piercing scream seems to fill the entire room, even into your mind. And then, as abruptly as it had all begun, the environment returned to its calm state. Not even taking a moment to wipe the sweat from his brow, Charles returns again to you. That was rather unexpected, which for me to be surprised by something so monumental means that we haven't much time. I suppose since you are still here that you seem to have found a reason to trust me? Am I correct in this assumption? Yes, sir. Now, there's no more time for second-guessing or thinking within the possibilities of what you thought you knew before I brought you here. So I need you to set your doubts aside, and when you are ready, listen carefully. You close your eyes for a moment and take a deep breath. Over the course of the next 30 seconds, you reflect on everything that brought you to this moment. Being back in your stronghold when that tapping came on your door, you had put on all your gear and escaped through the secret door behind your computer system into the tunnels when someone had entered in the back door. No, that's not right. You also clearly recall having been sitting at your computer desk, seeing two men enter the labyrinth from above ground just before the incident with the high-pitched sound occurred. No, that can't be it either. 
A third recollection of the events comes to your mind of you walking through the dark entryway tunnel with your night vision helmet on and pointing your laser rifle in the direction of echoing footsteps. You fall to your knees as your mind struggles to function and grasp the meaning of these three distinct memories. You regain your composure and begin to lift your head towards Charles and speak in a low voice. What happened to me? Why do I have three totally different memories why I got here? He thinks for a brief moment before opening his mouth to speak. That, my friend, would be due to the quantum temporal convergence that your body and mind endured upon retrieval from your timeline. Quantum temporal convergence? You're making things up now. What in the world does that even mean? It means that between the time you woke up this morning to the moment your mind and body were delivered to this pocket universe that you had taken at least three completely diverging paths prior. Once you entered this room, through the mahogany door, those paths came together. To think of the trajectory of your life like a rope. In the instant you were yanked out of your regular time stream, the rope unraveled into at least three distinct strands. In each of those strands, you decided to walk through that door. Therefore, the strands became one rope again. This is a lot to take in. So I've lived three different lives? How do I know there aren't other versions of all of this happening? Charles thinks for a moment, seemingly as though he hadn't considered this himself. Then he speaks. That is certainly a probability. I would hope that my parallel selves would do well to get you on your way. Once you return to your rightful place in the time stream again, then theoretically I should also be made aware of any variations. A blessing and curse I bear as presider of the Twilight Order is that as long as I remain in this pocket universe, then I will acquire the knowledge of any alterations. He pauses again before continuing, his voice now urgent and slightly irritated. Now I do believe we have wasted enough time on the explanations of these things, so you must listen closely. You are linked with the caretaker, the listener of legend. You are not alone in your mind. There is someone, something out there listening in on us right now. This being has been taking great care of the decisions you and various others throughout time and space have made. You must return to your home through this portal. Charles seems to have pulled out a pocket watch out of thin air and presses the latch on the side. The precise moment he does... A large circle illuminates upon the floor just a few inches beside you. You watch in awe as numbers begin to appear on the inner part of the circle. This reminds you of the clock upon which you had woken up in this strange place. What will happen to me when I return? There is someone coming for me. Your words trail off as you shuffle your feet slightly so that your entire body is facing the bright blue clock shining up from the floor. Charles looks at you warmly and says, You will return to the life you would have led without any intervention from me, that man you saw, or the listener. You won't even remember any of this happened. It was necessary for you to come here, and I apologize for the distress you have endured. 
He turns his gaze away from you and looks up and around the room as he continues. You need not do anything but step onto that circle, my friend, for what I truly need is the listener's assistance. You give a puzzled expression, but Charles continues to speak out as if to the air. That's right, I'm speaking directly to you now, listener. Wherever you are, you must seek out the eleven Charles Higgins that came before me. Each one holds a key that you, the listener, must find and keep somewhere safe until you find yourself returning here to me in this place outside of time itself. For this must be where it all begins and ends. Surely by now you know the name of Thomas Omen. He is seeking you out too, for he is the one who sought out this one you now make decisions for. Thomas would use you only to gain power over the earth, if not the entire universe. Charles looks back to you now, as if he has just finished giving a speech. Now go, and return home of your own decision, and may the twilight guard you. You nod at Charles and then step onto the glowing clock. He presses down on the latch of the pocket watch for the last time, and immediately the world around you is enveloped in the brightest blue light. You have reached the second ending of our story today. Please return to the beginning if you wish to try a new ending. Don't forget to stick around after the credits once you've completed listening to this story. You decide that if you have any chance of making it out of this place alive, then there's got to be answers on the other side of the deep red door. You take strides over, and just as your fingers wrap around the door handle, a booming scream fills the entire room. It catches you off guard so much that you misstep and stumble into the hardwood door. A few moments later, the atmosphere returns to a standstill as if it had never been rattled in the first place. Charles rushes to your side and places a hand on your shoulder. Please wait. You don't want to go back through there, my friend. For if you would, then you very well might cease to exist. Now frustrated, you shrug off the man's hand and spin around. And why is that? I entered through it just fine. That's how I got here in the first place. As he pats down and straightens up his suit, he begins his reply. The moment when you entered through that door, an incalculable number of parallel versions of your life collided into one, all slight variations of each other. I would be afraid of what might happen if you were to walk through that door again from this way. Well, then why is it still even here if no one can exit through it? I never said that no one could exit through it. Simply not you. Your mind and body haven't been conditioned for it. Were you to exit that way, any number of outcomes is possible. The different variances of yourself might all end up in the wrong universe. Or even worse, they might all find themselves in one. 
Then there's the real possibility that you would duke it out amongst yourselves until only one stood standing. And trust me, these are the two simplest scenarios. You get the feeling by his explanation that Charles has actually witnessed both of these outcomes, so you somewhat reluctantly give up your plan of leaving. You look around the room once again, watching the steam-powered futuristic machines whirring and processing. After a moment of silence, you turn back to Charles. So what happens now? Now I'm afraid I need your help with a matter. I have an important endeavor for you. Perhaps your greatest role in this whole ordeal, if you are ready for it. You take a moment to pause and collect yourself. You push aside your selfish feelings of wanting answers to all your questions. How did you get here in the first place? What are those machines doing? What was that screaming a few moments ago? How is any of this even possible? Then you look back up at Charles and say, I'm ready. Wonderful. Now listen carefully. From the time you woke up this morning to the strange tapping on your stronghold door, there has been another individual behind the reins of several of your decisions. This individual, I believe, is the one of legend I mentioned earlier called the caretaker. In other versions of the stories, this one is sometimes referred to as the listener. I imagine you have never heard of such a being, but that is no matter, for I am sure that this one is listening in on our conversation even now. He stops a moment, his eyebrows raised in a disposition indicating a response from you. I think I am beginning to understand. Please continue. As if out of thin air, a pocket watch appears in his hands as Charles continues to speak and walk towards an empty space on the floor. He presses down on the notch, which simultaneously opens the timepiece and illuminates a circle upon the floor. You must enter through this portal and return to your place in the time stream. It must be you in control of that decision, or else this entire operation will have been for nothing. The caretaker has made decisions that got you this far, but this one can only be made of free will. What will happen to me when I return? You're sure that I won't end up in the wrong universe? I am certain that you will return and continue to survive. Until the decision has been made, that is all I can tell you since you are currently not within the flow of time. When you return, I'll be able to locate you and how your life plays out. So the short version is that I will die. I suppose we all die, don't we, Charles? Indeed we do. Even I will pass away one day, when the caretaker comes home and completes the tasks that have been set. His expression seems to indicate a hopeful longing, as if his death were a dream he has been awaiting. Before you can get in another word, though, Charles continues. Now go ahead and step into the circle. I am sure you have taken notice of those numbers on the inside that symbolize the structure of time that humans instituted many millennia ago. When those lights shine so brightly that you think you will be blinded if they shine even the slightest bit more, then it is that moment that you'll find yourself back home. You nod back at Charles, affirming that you understand his words, though you aren't entirely sure that you do.
And now, my dear friend, I have some final instructions, but not for you. As I mentioned, the caretaker is listening in. Even now. These last words are for the one of legend. Listen now, caretaker. It has been my solemn duty to set you on the path now ahead of you. You must seek out the eleven ancestors of mine. They all hold a key of twilight, which you must store away safely until you find yourself back here with me. I know not how many lives you have listened in on already. You may have even met these ones before, but unless you have received the key, then you must meet each one again. I cannot tell you any more without jeopardizing the oath I have taken. Now, before I send you off, bear in mind there is one who seeks you for his own power, Thomas Omen. You must do everything you can to keep him from discovering you as you covertly uncover the keys of the Twilight Order. Should he harness your power, then I fear he may attempt to conquer the Earth and seek to control and destroy all life forms in the known universe. You are in utter awe and shock at the speech Charles has just concluded. You can't help but feel part of this epic narrative despite only having a glimpse of it all. As you walk to the center of the glowing circle on the floor, you look back up to Charles Higgins Twelfth one last time. He returns your gaze with a warm smile. Then beams of blue light begin to reach for the ceiling as Charles offers his parting words. May the power of the twilight protect you both. Never forget, your decisions matter. You have reached the final ending of our story today. Please return to the beginning if you wish to try a new ending. Don't forget to stick around after the credits once you've completed listening to this story. Thank you for listening to Your Decisions Matter. All elements of Your Decisions Matter are produced by me, John Verdon. You can follow along on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for updates on upcoming shows at Decisions Pod. If you like the show, then stop by any of those platforms every week because I post a question about the decisions you may be making in your life. I'd love to hear from all of you listeners out there. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. But, most importantly, invite a friend to listen to the show along with you. You can also show your support for the show by going to decisionspod.redbubble.com. You'll find all sorts of merchandise with different designs inspired by the show. And remember, every time a purchase is made, a new decision is being made with it. Thank you. Coming in Season 2 A booming sound drags you out of your slumber, much like a coffin being exhumed from its resting place. From within the darkness come the sound of quiet footsteps. As you rub the side of your head and try to understand what could have caused the intense migraine you are experiencing, you realize that the footsteps have ceased. Well, well, well. Look who decided to come back to the land of the living. Thomas Omen, at your service. 
You're going to tell me everything you know about Charles Higgins and his Twilight Order. If you don't, you will never see the light of day again. And as always, don't forget, your decisions matter. <laughs>